Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. Our scripture reading today is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 10, the verses 1 through 15. Let us hear God's holy word. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, the man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. May the Lord bless the reading and the preaching of his holy word to our hearts. Dear friends, imagine you had to take a journey on foot to a place you've never been before. And the only way to get there is to follow the pathway. The pathway takes you from where you are to where you want to be. Well, when God saves a sinner, he also follows a kind of pathway. And Paul makes reference to that pathway in the words of our text, Romans 10, verses 14 and 15. In this chapter, the Apostle Paul explains why so many of his fellow Jews are not saved. He gives the reason for this in verse 3, because they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So the reason why the Jews are not saved is because they see no need to be saved. They think that they can earn the righteousness that they need by keeping the law of God. But Paul says in this they are gravely mistaken. And that's because God requires a perfect righteousness. He requires the righteousness of his Son, Jesus Christ, who Paul says is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes, 
and that righteousness becomes ours by faith. But to submit to that righteousness would require the Jews to abandon their own righteousness, which is something that they are unwilling to do, yes, even to this very day. And consequently, they are not saved. Now, following this, Paul goes on to point out that this idea is not new. It was taught already in the Old Testament. And to prove that, Paul quotes Deuteronomy 30, verses 12 to 14. And there Moses reminds the people of Israel that the word was near them in their mouth and in their heart. And Paul paraphrases that to mean, as he says in verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For, he adds, with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Isaiah 28, verse 16, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And so Paul's point is clear. We're saved not by our own righteousness, but rather by the righteousness of Christ, which becomes ours by faith. And what is more, as he goes on to say, this way of salvation is the same for both Jews and Gentiles. He picks up on that word whoever in Isaiah 28, verse 16, and he writes in verse 12, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Now, this is an astounding statement, and one which would have gotten Paul into considerable trouble with his fellow Jews. And that's because the Jews thought that they alone were the objects of God's favor. They alone were the recipients of God's gift of salvation. But Paul says no. Paul says God is willing to save anyone, both Jew and Gentile. And to prove that, he goes on to cite Joel 2, verse 32. Where Joel says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Emphasize the word whoever. Whether you're Jew or whether you're Gentile, Paul says, if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Now that brings us to our text. Having declared that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, Paul goes on to explore how that happens. And he asks the question, what is the pathway that God chooses to follow to bring sinners to himself? And this is what we want to consider in our sermon today. Our theme is God's pathway of salvation. And we'll see that this pathway includes five stepping stones. The first is calling. The second is believing. The third is hearing. The fourth is preaching. And the fifth is sending. We begin then with calling. Paul in our text describes the various stepping stones along God's pathway of salvation, but you'll notice he does so in reverse chronological order, meaning he begins at the end. And he does that so that he can emphasize the importance of God sending his servants, which is the climax of these verses, as we'll see in a moment. Well, what then is the last stepping stone in God's pathway of salvation? Well, Paul tells us it is calling on the name of the Lord. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, to call on the name of the Lord is an Old Testament expression, and it literally means to worship God. But in this context, to call on the name of the Lord means to worship God with supplication. And as such, it is similar to crying out to the Lord or pleading with the Lord. 
So when by the power of the Holy Spirit, a sinner comes to see the gravity and the heinousness of his sin, and that his sin deserves God's eternal wrath and condemnation, and that there is no way he can avoid that wrath and condemnation, then he comes by the leading of the Spirit of God, he comes to cry out to the Lord for salvation. Now significantly, the word Lord here in the original Hebrew is the name Yahweh, which is God's covenant name. It's the name that he revealed to Moses in the burning bush. And significantly, Paul takes that name and he applies it to Christ, showing that Paul regarded Christ as God or Yahweh in the Old Testament. And so when Paul speaks of calling on the name of the Lord, he really means calling on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Now, this is the last thing that a sinner does before actually coming to faith in Christ. He calls on the name of the Lord. Now, let me ask you, have you ever done that? My friend, this is absolutely essential. Unless we call, we cannot be saved. And so if you've never called on the name of the Lord, if you've never cried out to him to save you, I urge you to do so today. Because if you refuse, the Bible says you will perish in your sins. But like all of the other stepping stones in God's pathway of salvation, calling on the name of the Lord does not occur in a vacuum. In order for a sinner to call on the name of the Lord, he must believe. And that brings us to our second point. Paul writes, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So the apostle here makes it clear that believing must precede calling. Unless we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we will not call on his name. Now what does that mean, to believe? Or the Greek word has it, have faith. That's literally what what the word here means. Well, to believe or to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in this context means more than just simply to apprehend intellectually certain facts about Christ or to accept certain things that are said about him, that they are true. In other words, that he actually lived, that he died on the cross, and that he performed miracles, and so on. Now, all of that is important. In fact, it's an essential element of faith, but it is not enough, because the devils believe all these things as well, and more, but they do not have true faith. Historically, theologians have taught that true saving faith consists of these three elements. The first is knowledge. And by this we mean that faith has content. Faith believes certain things, specifically everything that is contained in the Word of God. Secondly, faith involves assent. And by that we mean faith not only believes certain things, it also assents to or agrees with those things and holds them for true. The third element of saving faith is trust. And by this we mean faith not only assents to or agrees with what the Bible teaches, it also trusts in, it rests on these things, and is committed to these things. Now of these three elements, the last one is decisive. If there is no trust, there is no true saving faith. And such is the kind of faith that the Apostle Paul is speaking of here. He's speaking of the faith that trusts in Christ and that trusts specifically in his atoning work as the only hope and ground of our salvation. Now that faith is not produced 
by ourselves. It's the gift of God. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So what Paul is saying is faith is not like works. Works are something that we do by the power of the Holy Spirit. But faith is not something that we do. It's a gift. And it is a gift from God. At the same time, of course, faith must be exercised. Faith must trust in Christ. If it doesn't do that, it is not true saving faith. But now the next question is, how does God work that faith in us? That brings us to the third stepping stone. Paul writes, And how shall they believe in him, that is Christ, of whom they have not heard? So here Paul is telling us that hearing must precede believing. Unless we hear, we will not believe. So that raises the question, what exactly must we hear? Well, we might think that we must hear the gospel, and that's true, of course. We must hear that although we are sinners who deserve eternal condemnation in hell, that God in his grace has sent his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into the world, who died on the cross, and that whoever believes on him may not perish but have eternal life. That is the gospel in a nutshell. That is the gospel we must hear in order to believe. But that's not what Paul is saying here. Listen carefully to what he says. He says, How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Now on the surface, it appears as though Paul is saying that in order to believe, we must hear about Christ. In other words, that we must hear about who he is and what he has done. But literally, the original Greek says, And how shall they believe in him whom? Not of whom, but whom they have not heard. And so what Paul is saying is that in order to believe, we must hear Christ. Now Jesus says the same in John chapter 10. There our Lord compares himself to a shepherd and his people to sheep. And as the shepherd, Christ calls his own sheep by name. And he says, the sheep hear his voice and they follow him. They will not follow a stranger, he says, because they do not recognize the voice of a stranger. The point that he's making is that they must hear his voice. Unless they hear his voice, they will not follow him. So how does Christ speak to the sinner? How do we as sinners hear the voice of Christ? Well, this isn't some some mystical experience. And that cannot be emphasized enough because there are many Christians today who say things like, well, the Lord or the Holy Spirit told me to do this or that as though God had spoken to them directly. And sometimes they say this in order to justify their ungodly behavior or to teach things that are not in accordance with the word of God or simply to get their own way on something. Because after all, who can argue with anyone who says that God told him or her to do such a thing and to say such a thing? But God doesn't speak to us directly anymore, my friends. He speaks to us only through his word. The word, the Bible, is the complete and final revelation of God to man. And it's through the word that Christ speaks. Now, more specifically, Christ speaks through the preaching of the word. What Paul is saying is that when a minister preaches the word, Christ is speaking through him. One commentator says, Christ is present in the preachers. 
To hear them is to hear him. Now that's an astounding truth that has profound implications. First of all, it has profound implications for the preacher. If Christ speaks through the preaching of the word, then preachers must ensure that they preach only the word and not their own opinions. But secondly, it has profound implications for the listener. If Christ speaks through the preaching of the word, then we as listeners need to make sure that we're at church where the word of God is being proclaimed. To absent oneself from the house of the Lord when there is a worship service taking place and where the minister is proclaiming the word of God faithfully, to deprive yourself of that, to absent yourself from that unnecessarily, is to deprive yourself of hearing Christ speak to your soul. And when we are in church and we are listening to the preaching of the word, we need to make sure that we're listening attentively and prayerfully because it's in this way that God calls sinners unto himself. Now, what about you today? Have you heard him? You say, how can I tell? Well, you know if you have heard him, if his word has had an impact on you and if it has changed you. Do you remember how after Jesus left the two men from Emmaus, they said to each other, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? My friend, has your heart ever burned within you, especially while listening to the preaching of the word of God? And has that resulted in a change in your life? If so, that is the voice of Christ speaking to us through his word, through his Holy Spirit, and how absolutely vital this is. Unless we hear his voice, we will not believe. But in order to hear Christ speaking through the preaching of the word, we need preachers. And that brings us to our fourth stepping stone. Preachers are God's appointed means to communicate his word to his people. The apostle writes in our text, and how shall they hear without a preacher. Now, like the previous questions, this question implies a negative answer. The answer is they cannot. In order to hear with a view to believing and calling on the name of the Lord, there must be preachers. There must be men who are called and equipped by God through his Holy Spirit to proclaim the word of God to sinners. And we are reminded here of the vital importance of preachers in God's way of salvation. William Carey, the acknowledged founder of modern missionary movement, felt called by the Lord to preach to the people in India. However, when he applied to the mission board of his church, an older church leader looked at him and said, Young man, when God chooses to save the heathen of India, he will do so without your help. Fortunately, William Carey knew better than that. He knew that when God determines that something is to happen, he also determines the means to make it happen. And in this case, it is the means of the preaching of the word of God. And so what did Carey do? Well, he went to India on his own. And the same is true today. If sinners are going to be converted, if they're going to call on the name of the Lord, if they're going to be saved, there must be preachers and there must be missionaries to go out and to preach the gospel. Because it's through the preaching of the word of God that sinners hear the voice of Christ 
And it's through that preaching that they come to believe and call on his name. And so we see how vitally important preachers are. Unless the church has preachers, sinners will not hear. And if they do not hear, they will not believe. And if they do not believe, they will not call in the name of the Lord. And if they do not call in the name of the Lord, they will not be saved. They will perish in their sins. How then we should pray fervently that the Lord would raise up more men who are called and equipped by God to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The preacher is a vital link in the chain of salvation. But this raises another question. How do we get such preachers? Can just anyone preach? Can anyone just volunteer to become a minister? Not at all. And that brings us to our fifth and final stepping stone. In order to preach, one must be sent by God. That's precisely what we confess in chapter 1, article 3 of the Canons of Dort. There we confess that God mercifully sends the messengers of these most joyful tidings to whom he will and at what time he pleases, by whose ministry men are called to repentance and faith in Christ crucified. You notice what it says here. God sends his servants. They do not go where they please. They are sent by God. But God does this through his church. And that's clear from Acts chapter 13, where we read that the church at Antioch sent Paul and Barnabas on their missionary journey. They didn't go on their own. They were sent by the church. Now, this is so important. It's especially important today because there are many so-called itinerant preachers today. These are men who are not called by or under the supervision or even connected to any church. They just go wherever they feel led or wherever they're invited. This is not biblical. Preachers must be sent by God through his church. A man who is not called and sent is not a true preacher of the word of God. He's not been sent by God because God sends through his church. And so we see again how important preachers are. Through preachers, God is pleased to cause his gospel to be proclaimed. But these preachers must be sent by God. And so we see how great and how glorious is the task of the minister of the word. Through these preachers, God is pleased to draw sinners unto himself. And Paul gives expression of that at the end of verse 15, doesn't he? There Paul quotes Isaiah 52, verse 7. And there Isaiah says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Now, at first glance, what Isaiah says here seems rather strange to us. And that's because normally we don't think of feet as being beautiful. In fact, for most people... Our feet are usually considered the least beautiful part of our body. And that was especially the case in Bible times when people wore sandals and their feet were often dirty and smelly because of the dust and the dirt and the heat of that particular area of the world. And yet Isaiah says that it's not true for preachers. The feet of preachers are beautiful. Now in what way are they beautiful? Well, he tells us. Not in terms of their physical appearance, but they're beautiful because of what they do, because because they carry the preachers of the gospel to one place to the next, because they preach the gospel of peace, and they bring glad tidings of good things. 
It's likely here that Isaiah is thinking of a messenger who has come from an important battle. And for some reason, the watchmen on the walls of the city could tell from quite a distance whether the news was good or bad by observing carefully the feet of the messenger and how he ran. And if the news was good, their feet were said to be beautiful. Now Paul takes that verse and he applies it to preachers of the gospel. And he says, like messengers with good news from the battlefield, the feet of preachers are beautiful and that they too bring good news, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. And since that is so, my friends, let us honor our ministers. Not for who they are, for they're just weak and sinful men like everybody else, but for the office that they hold and the function that they perform. Oh, let us regard their feet as beautiful and cherish and support and encourage them in their work. And above all, let us pray for them that they may be enabled to bring the good news of salvation from week to week and that God may use them to draw more sinners to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, for they are God's appointed ambassadors to do us good. Well, this then is the pathway that God follows to bring sinners to himself. This is God's glorious way of salvation. It begins with God sending his servants. It ends with sinners calling on the name of the Lord. Oh, how great, how wonderful is this pathway. May God grant that we all may be walking on this path. For then and only then will we be able to enter the kingdom of heaven and receive the gift of everlasting life. Amen. Dear friends, it's our great joy to be able to preach to you the word of God every Sunday on this station. If you were blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, we'd very much appreciate hearing from you. Please take the time to write us a short note. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road. Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N, Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Or you can email us at bannerofTruth.com at frcna.org. And please indicate the call letters of this station. If you take the time to write to us, we'll gladly send you, free of charge, a wonderful booklet entitled Faith of Our Fathers. In this booklet, Pastor Neil Pronk, the former radio pastor of this program, explains the so-called doctrines of grace, otherwise known as the five points of Calvinism. We hope that it may be a rich blessing to you. Please note that we do not send out CDs of our radio messages. However, you can access and download all of our messages at any time from our website at www.banneroftruthradio.com. That's banneroftruthradio.com. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. For more information about our churches, including where you can find a church nearest you, please visit our denominational website at www.frcna.org. Your financial support for this program is welcome and deeply appreciated. 
If the Lord has placed in your heart a desire to help us to offset the costs of broadcasting this program on this station, you can send us a check in any amount. Again, our mailing address is 3386 Mount Lehman Road, Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Or you can go to our webpage and make a donation right on the webpage. Our webpage, again, is banneroftruthradio.com. Thank you for listening, and now, until next week, may the Lord be with you all.